0: In the land of saints and sinners. From Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Have
2: you heard of Straight of Vegas? It is Steve Cofield. RJ Bell is here.
1: Head to head tonight, Steve. And I tell you, we got draft talk. We have NBA talk. And as always, listen, Colin Cowherd leads the way here at Fox. He opens up with LeBron all the time. So what are we going to do? Not going to fight it. Not going to fight it. Showtime, baby. Uh, Vegas lead. LeBron and the
2: Cavs. There's going to be a game seven. Boy, that was awful tonight. 121-87. Not a great first half, and then forget about it. In the second half is the Patriots roll. This was a tight point spread. Pacers only by one and a half and two points, and they wound up winning 121-87.
1: This is going to seem like a strange analogy, but I think the Cavs are like Muhammad Ali at the end. Now, for the youngsters, and again, I was too young to watch Ali, but I've watched a lot of his fights, you know, the big ones especially. But he had a lot of fights post Frazier three. So, Ali Frazier three, the thrill in Manila, which was a war. And it was a situation where. Uh, neither of the guys came out of it the same, you know, the rest of their careers, and then eventually, you know unfortunately, you know their health after. But Ali kept winning and winning. he was beating serious guys, and some of it the judges were favorable. but here's what he would do. He would come out and if he was successful at the beginning of the round, he'd keep up his energy, finish the round, and try to win the round, Ali. but if he wasn't successful the first minute or so of the round, he would go into the rope-a-dope and accept, hey, I'm going to lose this round anyway, and I'm going to get ready for the next round. And you actually see it in tennis too, right? Especially in the the Grand Slams, when it's a five-setter, and if a guy gets down like 4-1 in the the fourth, they give up because they want to save their energy for the fifth. Uh, To me, and again, I know you watch the game uh, closely, Steve, is – to me, I think LeBron's in a position like, listen, we're not going to get beat at home. We could keep trying super hard here for a 5% chance to win. But it felt like it was one of those, give them the fourth set, we're going to win the fifth.
2: Yeah, they played like hell to start the third quarter and fell way out of reach, and then that was it. And LeBron played 31 minutes. Kevin Love played 24. So
1: yeah. Now, did the Pacers, as you look at the box score, do you, is there going to be an advantage, you think, fatigue-wise for the Cavs? Because they did... Pull out some of the key players,
2: no, nah, because the Pacers were able to rest some of their guys. Most of their starters maxed out at thirty. Oladipo had thirty-four. He had thirty-four minutes played. He had twenty-eight for the game. It was just, uh, and it was also one of those games uh, throughout the playoffs when some of these teams get hot from three. Forget about it. And the Pacers went fifteen to thirty from three. Took advantage of the uh, the home court, and now we got a game seven. And the line is already out for game seven. Pacers going to Cleveland, and we got a six point spread.
1: All right, so in the NBA, typically, home court is worth four points. Now, that can vary. Like, Utah is probably a smidge more. And if you have a really good road team, then it, it can be a little bit less. So this is pretty much saying, which makes sense because it's 3-3, three, three, that the series or the assessment at this point between the Pacers and Vegas, between the Pacers and the Cavs is Cavs are a couple points better. Right? Four plus two equals six. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if this goes up a little bit, if I really? had to guess. If I would have guessed this line before, I would have said six and a half or seven. So my gut feeling is we'll see what happens as this goes up a smidge. Here's the bigger question to me. Um, and I know this is contrary for me, because I've been anti-Lebron for three months right here on straight out of Vegas. Now, when I say anti-Lebron, that's probably not the right way to say it. I've been anti-Calves. And maybe anti calves is the right way to say it. I've <laughs> thought the calves have been overvalued. Meaning if you said, hey, RJ, you've got to either bet on the calves or off the calves blindly, I wouldn't even think a millisecond. It would be I'd bet against them blindly. And I think history has shown they had a horrible ATS record during the regular season against the spread the Cavs. But I'm gonna be a little different now. Go down and maybe we'll do this on the break and get the list if you don't if you can't pull it up quick cofield since lebron won his first title tell me the teams and we'll talk about them that eliminated lebron from the playoffs and what we're going to find out when we actually run down the teams is every team was a borderline great team not a good team but a borderline great team and what history since lebron made his bones as they said and got that first title. He's a champion. Since he felt that, it takes a borderline great team to beat him. Now, the Sixers might be a borderline great team next year. They're not a borderline great team now, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And this team 70 days ago, the Sixers were 110 to 1 to win the title. Think about that. 100 bucks wins you 11,000. Just you know, a little more than two months ago. So yeah, they've trended up. They're better, but they're not a borderline great team, right? You sure they're the favorite now in the East? How well, crazy and, is that? And, and and that's the thing. And let me ask you: It's a game seven against the Sixers. Is that? It, it, do you really want to have your money on the Sixers against LeBron? Because now people out there, and remember, three hundred thirty stations. Fox National, straight out of Vegas, and Series 83, there's probably some people out there saying, but wait a minute, RJ, These this, this Cavs team isn't as good as these other teams. But haven't we seen Cofield in this series when the Cavs have their back against the wall and LeBron goes into dad mode, as we call it? The Pacers haven't been able to stop him in that case.
2: Just feels like he's going to have one of those games eventually where he doesn't come through. I mean, he yeah, had the big block to save him. In
1: game five, obviously, the bomb three. I mean, that's a Jordan esque type. That was I mean, awesome. I mean, you think back to the Utah Jazz. When I think about why Jordan's better, I go to game six. And when I say better, I mean better than LeBron. I go to game six of that Utah series where Utah had the sixth and seventh at home. And it was a situation with like a minute left where the Jazz were like 80% to win if you just look at the math of it. Jordan stole, went down layup, another stop. Hits the hits the two pointer, the famous statuette pose, and that's it. Six out of six. That's the kind of thing LeBron, as great as he's been, didn't have that in him early in his career or even mid career. And I, I think you know, obviously we can you know glorify LeBron, but I mean, when they lost that Mavs series, that was a bad series they lost, and and. The fact that since then he's been so different in in many ways, I just don't see a Pacers team knocking him out. I don't see this Toronto team that I had a lot of belief in knocking him out. But let me ask you. I don't
2: think they're making it to the finals. I don't think LeBron can keep doing this. I think there's going to be too many games here where LeBron is not great and no one else steps up. And tonight no one else stepped up. It's happening too often. He basically has to score 45 points for them to win games. This is insane. He's going to get tired. May not be tired for Game Seven at home. He may get enough energy, but for the first time, like I was mocking on the the uh, Sixers being the favorite in the conference. Like I don't think they should be the favorite, but that would worry me at Game Seven.
1: Well, who yeah. should be the favorite?
2: I think they're about even at this. I would say Sixers a little bit behind Toronto and the Cavs. I, I still like Toronto.
1: So, boy, so coming in the series or into the playoffs. Toronto, I think, was very analogous in their situation to Houston, which is if you just look at this season, seventeen eighteen, no doubt about it, Toronto was the best team in the East. And it wasn't just the record, which was the best, and they're going to have home court in the East. They'll actually have home court if they made it against Golden State. So heck of a year, right? It's beyond that. If you look at the point differential, which – Even in an 82-game season, the number of points you win by tells you uh, a lot even beyond the number of wins because teams sometimes go like eight and two in close games or two and eight, and it can really sway your perception, those wins and losses, whereas point differential gets beyond that. Houston, amazing year, especially when they had their big three, including their center, really a historically good year, right? The question is, Houston historically has a team, Harden as a player, and CP3 as a player, not great in the playoffs. Now, one round in, but I think they passed the test in the first round, Houston. But Toronto, you can't say they're anything but a big disappointment so far, right? Meaning that this team doesn't look anything like the team that was clearly the best team in the East. Does that change as the, the, the lights get brighter? Does that change against LeBron?
2: The Wizards are a little misleading because that was a much better Wizards team than the regular season. Then, John John Wall came back after missing half the season, so I'm not going to write off the Raptors yet.
1: Now tomorrow night it's Wise Guy Night. We have Fezzik in, the NBA originator, two-time Super Contest champion. I only got to do that. Brad Powers, college football specialist, will be breaking down one of the big major conferences. I think Big Ten this week, if I remember. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes in the mix there is to me. Fezzik, and I trust him as an NBA originator. He believe he says the math guys feel like that this year Washington was no better with Wall on the floor. Now, we can say in the playoffs and the math the the analytics said that. But we could say, well, maybe it's motivation or whatever and in the playoffs he's going to play hard. But looking with the eye test and I think that's all we have, when you look at Washington, did you think, "Oh, that's that could be the best team in the East?" No. No. Well, then, then you shouldn't have struggle this much if you're Toronto looking to make a statement in the first round. I'm just not ready to downgrade him based on not one a, series. Not at all? No. Boy, in the square chair. Is your, <laughs> I'm actually con- staying level headed
2: Right? I should be, <laughs> I should be but flipping out. Toronto has no chance.
1: When you're supposed to make a move, you've got to make a and move.
2: You know what? The move I'll make is on the Sixers uh, because I will go with Colin on this one. I've heard Colin say this a lot, and we talked about this starting like two weeks ago. Relax on the heat. As an opponent... Like, it was nice to beat up on the Heat. The Heat are not very good.
1: Yeah, but they certainly had... Here's why I thought that was a good series for the Sixers, beyond the dominating performance in a way, obviously they lost the game, is the Heat had Dwayne Wade. The Heat has Pat Riley on the sideline. So in a way, if you're looking to take a step, doing it against a team with no pedigree, let's say, because listen, if you look at the bottom of the East... Miami was in there with Milwaukee, was in there with uh, Washington, right? They were all within mm-hmm, a yeah, half a game. Yeah, yeah. Is Washington not pedigreed, right? No, you no, think Wade,
2: just Wade being back is pedigree? Well, you like look at Like an old man know, Wade? He had one, but, he had one he big had, game.
1: Yeah, but you, you're right. In a way, though, huh. that's what happens in boxing. What you'll typically see back to boxing is like a Floyd Patterson. When he's older, go against Ali, and then Ali went against Holmes. Sometimes it's that beating that the old champion gives you confidence. I'm not saying it makes the Sixers better than their, than their results. I'm saying psychologically, that's that Dwayne Wade they saw have one of the most monster series in the history of the NBA against the Mavs, right? Right. And with Shaq and a Dwayne Wade that won multiple titles with LeBron, it makes you feel a little bit more confident, you would think. I think that helps the Sixers a smidge. So wrapping on the Cavs for now, five minutes
2: ago we mentioned Cavs minus six. You think it's going to go up? Yes. Does that mean early lean on the Cavs laying the six now? Will you jump on it? No. no
1: I, okay. I, in fact, I'd, I'd right. actually— I think you are making I'd, a pretty
2: good case for five minutes no, on be, the Cavs.
1: And he, and that's the thing. And, and, and it does seem paradoxical— is I do believe you're not going to beat LeBron with a team that's not near great, but I also think there's going to be a lot of close games, and we've seen it. How I mean, how often has Cleveland really had an easy game here? Uh And like you said, when LeBron, even if they do get up 15, if fatigue's an issue, he'll 10, and we saw that when they were up 17 in the one game. So... For me, I think this line goes up because the market's going to think six is cheap for LeBron in a game seven, but I would probably bet the Pacers, but I think LeBron's going to win the game. But hey, anytime you have a six or six and a half point favor, they're clearly the favorite to win the game. I just think it's a little bit of a tighter game.
2: On the way back, we examine what happened with Russell Westbrook and OKC. They are out of the playoffs. With all that money spent, it's coming. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
0: Straight out of Vegas! Vegas!
2: Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It's Steve Cofield. R.J. Bell is here. You can go to pregame.com and find everything R.J.'s got up on the web. And, of course, my
1: heart and soul, baby.
2: Yes, on Twitter, at R.J. in Vegas. We just talked about Cavs going to a Game 7. They take their foot off the gas pedal. Let's bail in the middle of the second half. Game 7 on Sunday. So Cavs are laying 6, RJ says. Probably go to
1: 7.5 I didn't say eight. that. No, Possibly? No, I thought no, you said no, it would bump no. up. No, 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 no. I said it goes up. Two points? That's I thought rare. you said it would go up. Okay. A little bit. A little All right. bit. All right. Let's just say this. If you wanted to bet, you've been shying away from our bets. Though I did. Let's be candid. And we will be talking the NFL draft here at the bottom of the hour. But uh, and I, we've got some strong takes on that, I think. And, and a take about if you do like to bet the NFL, and obviously a lot of the Straight Out of Vegas listeners do, you'll find, I think, very you'll be very surprised by our very clear instructions about how to bet off of this draft. And that's in about 15 minutes or less. But, I, I mean, here's what I'll say. I would be more than happy to bet if you wanted, though probably not. It, does it go to five and a half or does it go to six and a half? That's the way you gotta think about a line move. You never know. Right, so well. There's no <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing. Yeah. It could go to seven and a half. But the line six for a reason, that's what the odds maker in the early market thinks it it should be. Now typically in the NFL, you'll see lines run more because you got seven days in between. But when you don't have as many days in the NBA, you know, you'll see lines go point point and a half. But it's pretty rare to go more than a point and a half off. So the way to think about it is if you're thinking a bet in one team or the other is, and this is something Fezzik does amazingly in the NFL. And it's worth talking about just for 30 seconds or so is Fezzik picks five games a week in the NFL. He selects them and he says, I think this line's going up. This line's going down. This total's going up. He's done that for four years now, free five games a week. He's been correct over 70% of the time. Now he didn't pick the winner 70% of the time. That's impossible, but he was correct in the line move. So what you could do was look at his threat. He usually put it up on Friday, and if you liked the team, the line was going to get better, you waited. If you liked the team, a team in the line was going to get worse by his prediction, you bet it now. And some of the time, the line didn't move, so it was a wash. It didn't matter, but when it did move seven out of ten times, you got the better line from waiting. So that actually is an underrated skill. Looking at the market and saying, is it more likely to go to 6.5 or 5.5 with the line being 6 with the Cavs in Game 7 over the Pacers? I think it's much more likely it goes to 6.5. So if you like Cavs, I would suggest betting early. And if you like the Pacers, like I lean that way for sure, I'd wait and get the extra hook. So let's talk Jazz moving
2: on. Point spread, they didn't cover. Not the biggest disaster. They won this series. 96-91 over the Thunder, laying six and a half. Really interesting game, and I think a lot of takeaways. We can get to the uh, Jazz here in a second. First, the Thunder side. Man, we debated, uh, we discussed before the playoffs, Russ and his energy, right? And the way he plays, and if he goes crazy and too selfish. And you know, listen, he carried him at certain points just to get to this point in the series. He saved them the last game. Tonight he had a great game on paper. He had 46 points, but Down the stretch, he was the only guy involved. It essentially turned into a one-on-one game with Donovan Mitchell destroying the Thunder defenders for 38. And Russ got his points, but RJ on the other side, uh, well, on the other side of the floor, wherever you're trying to balance the floor, Paul George went to a 16. He's totally out of the game. Carmelo took seven shots. So this whole thing in the end, bringing in the other two superstars, did not work.
1: Who was the other superstar? Well, I would say
2: Carmelo Anthony, based on how he's paid, making twenty-six yeah, million dollars a year. Yeah, and no, by the way, they're going to feel that pain next year too, because that's part of the decision if they can even compete for a uh, long-term
1: contract with PG thirteen. So he- here's what I would say: is one, I want to give OKC management, front office, a ton of credit because it didn't work. But boy, you know, it's like if you get a you know poker analogy. Right, if you are able to find a way to be drawn to a straight and a flush at the same time, and you get it all in, and you don't hit it, it doesn't mean you didn't make a good bet. And I know I think they made a bad bet. But see that you've got a and and, and let's talk about your opinion on right, this, right? Because I think you're off. In fact, I know, I know you're off on an island. Is <laughs> you you thought Paul George somehow isn't? I don't even know how no, would I you thought, characterize I, your opinion of I Paul thought George? The
2: trade. Paul George is a rental player. It was going to be a well. Uh, it was going to be a fifty-fifty shot at best, and I think I'm being nice. Well, that Paul take, George would stick around,
1: but fifty-fifty. Let's. I think uh,
2: I'm being nice on that because right, I think he's bound for L.A. Uh, I think he's always wanted to be a Laker. He's sort of an area guy, and Palmdale a little far away. But they traded two good young players for PG thirteen, and those two guys are actually two of the guys who are really busting the Cavs chops. Uh, Thirty-three points per game combined for Oladipo. Whoa. And it's a bonus in this series.
1: Sometimes you can have a two-outer in poker and win, right? But in general, and let's let's refer to Bill Simmons because a lot of people have a lot of different opinions of Bill Simmons. But when it comes to the NBA, this guy knows his stuff. I was listening to his podcast. I can't remember if he released it on – I think he released it Thursday, but it was late this week. And, I mean, he's just rambling off – you know, he wrote a 600-page book on basketball, which I read. This guy knows the NBA. doesn't mean he's perfect, mm-hmm. but Simmons has preached for years. You can't trade a dollar for four quarters and think it's going to work in the NBA. Because finding God... – guy. now, the way Oladipo's become, if we knew he was going to play this way, or if OKC knew, it'd be a different conversation. But based on his history – there's a reason he left his, the team that drafted him. I mean, he was becoming a journeyman. But
2: I, th- I think we have to grade the NBA a little differently than we have in the past. These guys are so young. You and I had the argument about Anthony Davis when Cousins went down and it's like, well, Davis hasn't done it yet. But for- He's 25 years old, and yeah, he's been in the league for five and six years. He's just getting to his prime. Oladipo is less than 25. Was
1: Oladipo last year one of the top 100 players in the NBA? Which would be Board, about three, probably borderline. All right. So, most people believe Paul George entering last year was a top like ten or twelve
2: player. I think this is the question at hand, though. When you play with Russell Westbrook, are you less a player? Oh, okay,
1: now you that know, you know, does
2: Paul George actually become less less important and less effective because he's got hard charging Russell Westbrook in this game taking forty plus shots?
1: Now I think that's the conversation. Same thing with
2: Oladipo. Maybe we never got to see the real Oladipo because the Magic stink.
1: And he was playing with Russ. Agreed. But if you believe that as OKC's front office, then your mistake was signing Russ. Like if if like somehow imagine if your job is the GM of OKC and you pull off some way, which is so rare to trade four quarters for a dollar Right? usually it's the other way around. And if you're OKC, it's hard to get the dollar. You know, Shaq went to Miami from the Lakers and they traded him but it was you know in that case I don't know a buck 50 let's call it cuz he's more than a dollar Shaq was even back then you know he was getting a little bit older and no one ever you know he went to the heat cuz the heat was a major place he wanted to go who wants to go to okc the idea that they could pull off and get the dollar for four quarters it, it hasn't worked and maybe the takeaway needs to be that Russell Westbrook isn't going to be able to play with anybody, ultimately. And he won't ever win a title. But if you're the OKC management, what more can you do but bring in a top 12 player?
2: Right? So I'm I, not exact, I don't have an answer for you because I don't know what the formula is. They
1: had a top five player and they couldn't win a title. They were very successful,
2: but they couldn't go over the top with Durant.
1: And, and again, the question becomes, if Durant stayed there, what would happen? What would have happened? But again, we're seeing now that Durant left for a reason. And it would seem those two aren't tight anymore. No. Right? So <laughs> it would seem in general that selfishness and, and maybe that's a harsh word, but let's just say that, that, that strong belief in self that Westbrook has is, is something that's hard to play with. And I'll be candid. That, Paul George would be the perfect player. You would think defense and spot up threes. Right, if Russell Westbrook had to have a perfect player, isn't it Paul George? You would think if he if he pitched it out to him in a big so spot. So maybe ultimately it's going to be nobody. All right? Yeah. But Bunch we, of role
2: players and maybe he's if he's going to average
1: 29,
2: 32 points a game, he's a 47 win a season guy.
1: And we've talked about this once, but it's worth saying one more time. I think Russell Westbrook plays like Jordan. Now this is going to sound crazy, except he has whatever degree of deficit that makes him fall short of Jordan, and that's what made Jordan great. Makes Westbrook a problem. Meaning, I don't think anybody plays as hard as. West- does anybody in the NBA play as hard as Westbrook? No, no. He's never like, going to question effort. Does anyone want to win more than Westbrook? He wants to win. And is anyone more talented? That natural, pure athleticism. He's the up there with anyone else in the league. So think about this: the 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 best natural athlete the hardest player, and the biggest desire to win. Wasn't that pretty much what Jordan was? Different era now. maybe. Oh, maybe so you're you saying Jordan today would have a problem? No, I don't, Ooh, I don't know that he'd have a problem. That'd be the hottest but, of the hot time. I, I
2: don't know if he could win. Well, but he he had Scottie Pippen, and Scottie Pippen was that guy who could play defense.
1: Uh, well, it, it, Real quick, yeah. I think that last thing yeah. before we go to the update is you said it. Jordan was so good, or whatever his aura was, other alphas, and let's be candid, a guy like Scottie Pippen's an alpha in life, right? You're six seven or whatever. You're one of the 15, 18 best players in the history of the NBA, by most accounts. But they look over at Jordan, and they say, well, I'm not like him, so I'm going to follow him. Something about Westbrook doesn't seem to let people follow him as easily, and thus Westbrook isn't as open, it would seem, the sharing the load. It seems to be where that's related. Where if, if his teammates, it would you would think if they believed in Westbrook more, then maybe Westbrook would believe in them more. And something's disconnected there, where Jordan was able to inspire loyalty, and that allowed him to trust his teammates. We'll
2: take a look at some of the uh, betting results from. The first round of the NFL draft, but first, Kevin figures with the latest.
3: All right, guys, three game sixes in the NBA on Friday night. It was capped off by the Utah Jazz notching a 96 to 91 victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder winning that series four games to two. Donovan Mitchell with 38 points, including 22 in the third quarter for Utah. Elsewhere, the Pacers steamrolled the Cavaliers 121 to 87 to tie that series at three games apiece. Game seven will be on Sunday, as Indy had seven players scoring double figures, including Victor Oladipo, who had 28 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, and four steals on the night. Indy led by 25 points headed into the fourth quarter, holding Cleveland to just 41% shooting from the field. And the Toronto Raptors Advance they beat the Wizards 102 to 92 as Kyle Lowry scored 24 points, DeMar DeRozan chipping in 16 points. The bench for Toronto outscoring Washington 21 to 6. The winner of this series will take on, or excuse me, Toronto will take on the winner of the Cleveland Indiana series. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore, with true price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy more confident car buying experience. In the NHL game, one of the Western Conference semis between Winnipeg and Nashville, the Jets come away with a 4-1 victory. Major League Baseball Giants with a 6-4 victory over the Dodgers as Evan Longoria and Brandon Crawford each went went deep. The Mets with a 5-1 victory over the Padres. Didi Gregorius with the go-ahead home run in the top of the 10th inning. Yankees beat the Angels in Anaheim by the score of 4-3. Wins for the White Sox and Reds. The A's get an 8-1 victory. Over Dallas, Keiko, and the Houston Naturals, Oakland has won five of their last six. And Corey Kluber strikes out 10 for the Indians. They get a 6-5 victory over the Mariners. And the D-backs with a 5-4 victory over the Washington Nationals. Arizona has won five of their last six. Back to straight out of Vegas. All right, Kevin, thank you. Back here
2: in the Geico studios.
1: You think we're ever going to talk like even a minute on baseball? I don't think we've done a minute yet. Maybe maybe
2: tomorrow. MLB. Really? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. You know, the crazy thing is, even during the postseason, it's the middle of football season, Yeah. it has a tough time competing in the gambling world. You know, and you've always, haven't you always said it's hard to explain baseball to the average better?
1: Yeah, because it's money lines, yeah. right? Now, anyone that puts their mind to it, that you know, I think most anyone can understand money lines, right? So mine's 200 plus 180. You bet two to win one, or 100 wins you 180. But here's the problem if you say Patriots favored by seven. It's intuitive to say, okay, well, Brady and them win by more in a touchdown. And you can, it's like you get the idea almost like looking at someone, do they weigh over under 200 pounds? You, you get it, right? But if you have a big bag of feathers and like literally a bag is big of a room and you say, how much does that weigh? You don't really have any idea how much it weighs. In fact, that's an interesting question. How much would a (laughs) bag of feathers in a room weigh? I wouldn't even know. But, it's the way people are minus 200. If you do the math, you can understand, well, they've got to win two-thirds of the time, but people just don't think intuitively. So you got the hardcore gamblers love baseball because it's a dime line. Actually, the VIG or the commission is half as football, but it's less intuitive for the recreational batter. Uh, in a
2: minute, let's get the number or some thoughts on the Rockets jazz series. I did want to mention the betting markets looking back when Mello. And PG 13, Paul George, landed in OKC. They went from the Thunder did 60 to 1 to win the title to 16. So that didn't work out if you bet you're 16. They jumped all the way to uh, minus 200 to win the division. The bottom of that division were the Jazz at 20 to 1. The Jazz before the season, 200 to 1 to win the title. Now they're not going to win the title. (laughs) But this is a team that. But if you bet
1: at 200 to 1 and they get to. The second round of the playoffs, you can start hedging and earn a little bit, right? If, with that big, with that big. You of can't a, do it in this round, though, right? You could. You could at 200 to one? Yeah. Think about it. I mean, you're not going to make a ton, but in a way, if you plan on hedging, that's the thing about those big long shots. Futures in general, recreational batters bet too, much, too many futures because it's so fun. You get to root the whole year. In a way, you think of the utility per ticket. Where I just spent 30 bucks, let's say, but you get to root every game the whole year for them, right? So there's a lot of utility in futures as a better. And that's why recreational betters for the entertainment factor love it. But the futures I tend to like are the real, the 500 to 1 types, because you'll get lucky if you, obviously there's gotta be value, but if you find value there, you can start hedging out early and at least double your, you know, create a situation where you're gonna double your money or better if they overperform because that's all you could ever predict is a team's going to a 500 to one future, the best it's ever going to be. I have a guy on Twitter, two guys actually I've been getting golf from since the masters. These are, these guys are nuts when it comes to like, they know the kind of grass they know if it rained last week and what it means to this guy. They're obsessed. And I love those rain man type batters because they're not, wa- they're not watching Netflix. <laughs> they're watching the PGA. Right. You know, They're watching Tin Cup in between, figuring if is going to be on there. And they told me, I like a guy, and I'll give it out. I'm going to tease. I'm not going to give it now. But they like a guy in the U.S. Open, 125 to 1. Right, And I'm checking a few more people to make sure I want to give this out. But I think I'm going to because it's been good so far. I said, what do you think the odds are? He said 30 to 1. Now think about that thirty to one RJ. I'm hardly ever going to win, but that's the definition of value. If something, if you're going to get paid 150 to one for something that happens every thirtieth time, assuming we're correct about that, that's value. But you're still going to lose a vast majority of the time. This Jazz Rocket series, what do you think? I think the Jazz in the prior round was a perfect storm of value. And let's take or straight out of Vegas Bows pregame.com, we were on it hard. I mean, Fezzik, everyone on our podcast. And, guys, we do a podcast uh, during the offseason, football offseason, every Wednesday a.m. It's called the Dream Preview. We do about two hours a week, even in the offseason, deep dive into the NBA. Fezzik, Brad Powers, Dave Estler, baseball. We even talk baseball on this baby, right? But not too much. We don't go crazy <laughs> with it. Is... And here's why I think the Jazz were so great. Since they had Rudy Gobert back, they had an amazing record. Utah is not on TV a bunch, not a public team. So their season record was a little deceiving because they lost such a key player for a portion of it. Since they got him back, excellent. right? Excellent. But it was more than that. They defend the rim, Utah, as, you know, let's say top flight in the NBA. Against most teams these days, it doesn't matter that much. Which team drives to the bucket the most in the NBA? You'd have to put OKC right at the top, right? So it was a perfect storm where one of the real strengths of Utah matched up well against Westbrook and against Houston. Harden? A little bit, but boy, I mean he it's a three point shooting team, yeah, right, so to me, I think Utah might be moving towards being overrated because the market probably won't fully account for how advantageous a matchup OKC was against Utah, and it was an impressive series, so it doesn't mean I want to bet the Rockets. But what I mean is I think you, the, the Utah party might be over in regards to offering value. That's RJ Bell.
2: I'm Steve Cofield, straight in of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, I'm going to read your grades for the NFL draft. You ready? I am. I don't think you want to hear grades. You don't I, like grades?
1: I'll, I'll, I'll bait you into it. You know, Steve, <laughs> I wonder. I, I'll I, give I you mean, a grade. You know, well, hold on. You follow <laughs> the media so much. I wonder do you have any interesting draft grades in the NFL. Sure.
2: Browns.
1: First pick. D. Is this your grade?
2: <laughs> I, <don't, just> <laughs> I don't like Baker Mayfield. So I didn't think that was a great number one pick, but well, I mean, uh, but know, they, I mean, but the, the grades can be infuriating. With,
1: with your many decades as an NFL scout, right. I mean, this opinion, an and, 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 and this is the point, right, guys? Think about it. I know on the East Coast it's you know past two thirty, but let's think at a, at a highest level here, a high level, let's call it. What is the essence of a draft grade? It's someone. And let's say it's, let's not even pick on anyone. We know the big names in draft. Either Fox has some, ESPN has some. Doesn't matter who the a guy like Maylock. I, sh- I, like yeah. Mayock Sharp. Yeah. Sharp. Yeah. sharp. All right. Doesn't matter. Because here's the question Is he sharper than Colbert, the GM of the Steelers, about the Steelers? Meaning, even if Colbert quit tomorrow and became a draft nick, for Network XYZ, he doesn't know the players on the Raiders as well as the Raiders GM. How does he know if it's like you know the Steelers knew they were going to trade Bryant, right? So we're going to all grade the wide receiver to the Raiders for third-round pick. Everyone's going to grade this move or that move, but Steelers know so much about their team that no one else knows, not to mention even if it's just how much you know the NFL. How many of these draft picks do you think would take a job as a GM? No, no, I'm going to stay here, you know, (laughs) in CBS Boston or whatever and and do my my mock drafts, right? I mean, maybe there's a couple that's making more than GMs, but boy, I don't think there's many. So to me, by definition, if you're grading other people's drafts, you're not good enough to be a GM. And then even if you are that good or even slightly better somehow than the GM, you don't know the team as well. Right. So to me, and I don't often quote Socrates, but I will in this case, a man who knows what he doesn't know knows a lot, and that is Socrates and <laughs> Plato's buddy. But the fact of the matter is that we all want to act like we know, and there's an entertainment complex around this. This is one of the biggest times of the year, especially during the football offseason, that we all get to talk about the draft. I'm not blaming anybody for that, but if you're going to bet with your money, and that's what we're straight out of Vegas, we're here for is to advise you how to bet smartly. Is don't let an A grade or a C minus grade affect you too much. We don't know how good anybody's going to be, and you know something is to be the last thing I say before the break, Cofield. Every team is ecstatic the day after the draft. You know why? Because based upon the universe of players that were available to them each pick, they picked exactly who they wanted. No one was forcing them to pick it. So, yeah, they might have wished that Chubb didn't go. You know, if you have the sixth pick, maybe you wish Denver did But based upon the universe of players that the, the, the Colts had with the sixth pick, they got the guy they wanted. They think that was the best pick. No one else is going to tell them otherwise. And quite frankly, no one else knows better than they do.
2: On the way back, we're going to talk about the crazy Thursday betting on Baker Mayfield to go number one in the draft. That's on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
0: Straight out of Vegas! There's a better way
2: to buy home insurance with Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer, too. Get a custom quote and a great rate all online. See for yourself how much you could save
0: at Progressive.com. All
2: right, rolling on here straight out of Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. Got a lot to get to. We were busting on baseball not making the show. NHL will make the show. This Vegas Golden Knights run is pretty ridiculous for an expansion team. You were talking last week of betting the field against the Vegas Golden Knights, and now you're like, well, maybe I need to wait for more value. I thought there was great value last week.
1: There was, and then it moved to 600. And so at minus 500, I was going to make them. I mean, the plan was 10 times a to win, too. And I think I announced it on here, and then it moved to 600. And you might think, what's the difference? I have a mental block. It's You would say it's a type of compulsion. If I could have bet something at a better number, Even if I think it's still a good number, I can't bring myself to bet it. Now, you might say, oh, RJ, that sounds stupid. It's actually very smart. Here's why. You never know what the number's supposed to be. The best, even, and again, I do very well at this stuff, but there's guys that are better than me when it comes to an individual sport, right? I try to understand something about all the sports. Some guys just sit there and do nothing but WNBA, right? They know more about the WNBA than me, right? I promise you is nobody knows exactly what the number should be. It's just your expert opinion, right? If you're getting the worst of it, where you could have had it at minus 500, minus 600, you just got to trust and say, boy, I've lost some value. There can't be that much value. I'm going to stay away. So in general, guys out there, if you can't, if a game was three, it goes to three and a half, you still might like it. Write it down in a notebook, make a mind bat, and see at the end of the year on those missed key numbers or missed numbers, see how you would do. I doubt you would have won.
2: Let's get a pick on, well, at least a lean, right? A forced lean on Game Seven with the Celtics and the Bucks. Boston is four and a half at home.
1: I actually lean Bucks here, and I love Stevens. I think he's one of the best coaches certainly top 2 or 3 in the NBA. But here's the thing, Milwaukee was not a good home team all year and the Celtics were not was were a wonderful road team. So when Boston was in Milwaukee, it was a perfect storm where you had a really good against the spread road team against the worst playoff road team when it came to home record against the spread. Now it's flipped. So and I also think, you know, so Boston doesn't have that advantage. Also, I think Milwaukee's had to gain some confidence here. Coming in against the Celtics, against the Shamrock, you got to wonder in in an inexperienced playoff team. I mean, it's Game 7 now, so they say we can stand toe-to-toe with these guys. So I don't love it, but I do lean Milwaukee.
2: Coming up next in the Geico Studios is Jonas Knox. Last thought on Baker Mayfield and the day of Round 1 betting.
1: Well... Mayfield, even a couple weeks ago, you could have got a 15-1 to to be the number one pick. The day of the betting, and on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas, we had this every hour we were putting out the odds. He got up to minus 300. When it's about information, and you see those odds move, well, you better believe. Not always, but most of the time, Vegas is right. A
2: ton of NFL draft review tomorrow. We're back at 10 o'clock on Saturday, right here, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
0: Straight out of Vegas!
2: slash compatibility.